welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host and writer for your entertainment corner, Kelsey Loisel. And with me today is my co-host. Mark Salcedo. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Managing editor and writer at ScreenGeek. Halloween theme. Yay. I don't know how that's Halloween theme. I, I imagine if you were the brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, okay. The brother of. No, the brother in the wicker basket. That's the noise you oh, would make. How was that? What was that? Basket case. I know. But what was that fucking thing's name? We always forget the, the creature's it name. It began with an N. It makes me think of Neville, but it's not Neville. Is it Nathan? No. Is it Ned? No. Is it Nettie? <laughs> anyway, look, <laughs> you just make me feel trapped all the time with your bad jokes. Mm, mm, mm. And? Just like I'm in prison. <laughs> so, like, just want you to know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to prison. Oh, okay. Because I've been in prison my whole life. Too bad. You're stuck. You're stuck with me. You're gonna be in this prison. But do you believe in ghosts? Do I? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I snatched one of your quotes, so <laughs> that's why I said. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Real Appeal to Ease and Real, and you can email us at therealappeal at gmail if you could please review us on iTunes so we could get noticed. Get them noticed. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> is like, hey, I notice you. Yeah, uh, Badges notices. <laughs> um, that's because he wants to get into the girls' room. Oh, okay. Um, and our segments this week are the news, our recent review of Last Night in Soho, our variety time which is, let's talk about Project Popcorn. Pop. <laughs> um, and our Jandrick cinematic is Eyes of Laura Mars. Mm-hmm. Mark, what's the topic? Seeing shit that'll turn you white. What if you're already white? Whiter. <laughs> Invisible. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> cool. I'd love to be invisible. <laughs> no. It'd be, well, as long as you still do the podcast, that's fine. <laughs> I, th- I think I would just torture you more if I was invisible. Uh, yeah, you probably would. Yeah, okay. Don't do that. <laughs> so, uh, Mark, hmm. what's in the news? Uh, well, I guess this news, this, is, this was expected. Uh, fucking Dennis Villeneuve's uh, Dune is getting has been greenlit um the sequel to his movie Doom, part one it's been greenlit um so he did an interview i believe with it was like entertainment weekly or something like that but he had already had always envisioned to do like at least three three dune movies um so uh yeah it was like dune two dune part two was announced uh i believe like last week 
Um, now it's an official, it's officially in development. Um, so to kind of give you folks some insight, so Frank Herbert has written like six Dune novels in total when he was still alive. Uh, but his son, Brian Herbert, is now... Uh, he teamed up with Kevin J. Anderson, and they've done like a series of like prequel sequels and spinoff and stuff like that, right? So, the way how the books go, it's Dune, Dune Messiah, Children of Dune, God of God Emperor of Dune, Heretics of Dune, and Heretics, Heretics, Heretics of Dune, Chapter House Dune. Um, so it looks like we're gonna get a part two, and it seems like Denis Villeneuve is he wants to do Dune Messiah, which I would be down to want to check that out patches with as well um (laughs) he said during an interview uh, i always envision three movies it's not that i want to do a franchise but this is dune and dune is a huge story in order to honor it i think you would need at least three movies that would be the dream to follow paul atreides and his full arc would be nice um so thanks to this movie (laughs) thanks to the his movie I've I've actually have like started listening to the audiobook to Dune. I don't really have that much time to sit down and like read each of these books. I'm working through the first Dune book uh, right now. Um, next up is Dune Messiah. Um, I <laughs> a lot of people. I believe we, I believe we talked about this at the la- our last podcast, our last episode. Um, I've seen like the miniseries for Dune that was done by Sci Fi Channel, which was I thought was pretty good. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was Dune and then Children of Dune was like a combination of like Dune Messiah and Ch- the Children of Dune novels. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I, like I said, I think, I think they did all right. It was like three night event, two hours each night for like the Dune and Children of Dune. I don't know how close to follow the, the book, but, but, but when I saw it, I totally dug it. Um, so he goes on to say, uh, Herbert wrote six books and more. Uh, and the more he was writing, the more it was getting psychedelic. I'm really interested in that quote mm-hmm. because that makes me think of uh, Hodorowski's Dune mm-hmm. when he had said uh, during the documentary, like he wants he wants you to trip on psychedelics without taking acid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> can, can we get some of that, please? <laughs> um, so he uh, Villeneuve, Villeneuve finishes off by saying, so I don't know how uh, some of them could be adapted one thing at a time. If I ever have the chance to do Dune Part 2 and Dune Messiah, I'm blessed. Um, like, what's, what say you, Kelsey? Because, you know, you were just all about Dune Part 1. I know you're looking forward to Part 2. Look. Mm-hmm. I watched Dune with my kids. Well, I... More, <laughs> you attempt it. <laughs> I more watched it with one of my kids and tortured the other one with it. Um, but I have to tell you that mm-hmm. when the title <clears throat> card came across mm-hmm. and I saw they added part one, mm-hmm. I was very excited. You talking about like when you watched it with your kids? Mm-hmm. You didn't really, you didn't notice it at the uh, when we watched it in theaters. No, but HBO is also known for adding things after things get announced. That's true, but no, th- I remember, I I do remember when we were watching it, it did say part one, mm-hmm. and I was just like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Why wouldn't it be part one? Yeah, I know, but like it's kind of weird to put that if you weren't greenlit for part two yet. I know, and that's that's the thing. That's what I heard a lot of people saying about like that's so odd that you put it there and it hasn't been greenlit like. Like this, it's like, or maybe it had been, and they just were holding on to the. Oh, to see the numbers or something like that. Yeah. Um, the story, the story. What I heard is that because legendary, 
Legendary Pictures is the one that owns the uh, distribution rights. Hmm. They hadn't greenlit it. Warner Brothers, because like Legendary and Warner Brothers, they're they're like together but still separate. Mm-hmm. And Legendary hadn't like got the big okay yet. Gotcha. Um, so I don't know. Like I guess it was kind of like a fingers crossed kind of moment. Like let's put it there and see what happens or something like that. Especially like how the movie ended. We're not, we're not going to spoil it, but the, the way how the movie ended was like clearly this is like nothing of the story mm-hmm. um but yeah so dune 2 got greenlit and pretty excited about that yes yes so what else happened in the news you keep looking behind me oh there was a fly that went, i know it touched the back of my arm too <laughs> <laughs> um next <laughs> john woo mm. is coming back to direct joel kinnaman in the no dialogue action film silent night mm. I, I think you said his name wrong i i think you're supposed to say john Woo. <laughs> <laughs> what were we saying yesterday it was like a license plate or something oh like that. yeah it was, and it was, it was like wow or some it, shit it was like 911 woo <laughs> yeah woo like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um okay so buyers are really talking about silent night it's the first you are you are the first you are movie <laughs> look my brain's done for the day um i know you were super mom today shit <laughs> i know um it's the first u.s action film in decades to be directed by john woo mm. so obviously he's done so much work we saw him at the vista Oh yeah, they were doing a special. Uh, uh, there was an interview. Uh, it was between him and the guy who owns the secret movie club, Craig Hamill. Um, it was like a retrospective kind of thing, like you know his career and stuff like that. Oh, now I remember. And he got a uh, his hands printed in front of like the, the Vista. The, yeah, in front of the Vista. Yeah, it was a great event. That was a mm-hmm. great time. And then they sold the Vista. Yeah, but it's we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, so Joel Kinnaman is going to star, um, it's going to be, it's going to tell a loud action tale, but it's not going to be with words. I'm actually kind of interested in that. sounds like a challenge. Yeah. It looks like, it looks like, it looks like Joel Kinnaman is, Kinnaman is going to be the one without dialogue. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, like it's actually, I think it's a silent movie. Mm, Joe Kinnaman will star in an action film that without without a word dialogue. I, the way how that sentence comes out, it seems like they're talking about Joe Kinnaman himself, not the entire movie. Okay. Um, so there are sources that are telling Deadline um, that the story is basic. It's a, a normal father who heads into the underworld to avenge his young son's death. Mm-hmm. Um, the film is in negotiations to be financed by Capstone. Mm-hmm. Um, and... John Wick's Basil Iwanek, Erica Lee, and Christian Mercury, mm-hmm. and Laurie Tilkin are producing. And then Capstone's Rosanna Keegan is overseeing uh, with Joe Gatta. Gotcha. <laughs> and so they're also, um, they still have more casting to do. Yeah. So, like, I, I put, I want, I definitely want to put this in the docket because. We haven't seen John Woo do an American film in quite a while. Um, Jesus Christ. I can't remember what was his last. Let me see. 
His last movie, apparently, I believe, was two thousand and three. With it was a movie called Paycheck, starring Ben Affleck. That was based off of a, a Philip K. Dick novel. Um, so it's been almost twenty years since we've seen this dude do an American film. He's he's done plenty of like uh uh like foreign films. Um, damn, there's one he did, I believe, with Jet Li. It's called like Red Something. That was like an epic film. Mm. Uh, but like. I, I I'm I'm very uh, like <laughs> I really want to see like how how he ha- he has adapted his style for like current action films, because um, you know he has a sense of style. But he also like it tries to get away with not actually writing something. That is very true. Like he has an idea and he'll kind of give it like a well I guess we would consider a treatment. Yeah, yeah, and then kind of goes from there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the movie I was referring to was Red Cliff, and it, it doesn't start Jet Li. Stars uh, Tony Chu Wei Long, uh, the guy from um, Shang Chi and the Ten Rings. Um. So yeah, like he's his last film. His last film period was uh, 2017's Manhunt. What the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it looks like an Asian cinema film. Uh. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, well, you know, we just have to wait and see, but I, I don't know. I'm already interested because it's John Woo. Me too. Like straight up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, all right. So the last, <laughs> well, what's up? Patches. Oh, he's looking at that fly. Yeah, it's on the wall, but the way he's looking at it. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's, like, he's got to like tilt it like, hey. But he's got <laughs> the death stare. <laughs> uh, so our last piece of news is, uh, looks like Eternals director uh, Chloe Zhao is looking to be looking to direct like a Dracula film. Um, I believe it's going to be called. Uh, oh, I don't know if I have the title for. I'm not sure if that's the title. Quote. Let me see. The director wants to take on Dracula. Um, it looks like she's trying to do it kind of like as a western type deal, mm-hmm. which. They, there's been very few and far between like vampire western films. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them kind of come off bad, like campy and shit. Yeah, there is this one great kind of like western um, vampire film directed by Catherine Bigelow. Uh, that's it's not like a typical western where it's like cowboys and like pew pew and all that kind of shit, mm-hmm. but it's just like this kind of dark in the desert. Uh, type deal that's actually really good near dark 1987's near dark great fucking film um so while she was uh being interviewed by slash film she had said uh let's just let's just say i'm not leaving the immortality sandbox anytime soon um it looks like the film let me see (laughs) what's up i've read this wrong we read what one so it says the director said though she was mum on any further details uh, <laughs> i read it as though she was the mum <laughs> <laughs> she's doing the mummy too <laughs> no the mum like the, mum. the mom oh jesus <laughs> um so it looks like universal is going to be the one producing the film uh she had she had said this about dracula and like why she's like fascinated by the character she goes i've always been fascinated by vampires and the concept of of the other uh the other they embody. Um, I'm very excited to work with Donna, Peter, and the team of Universal to reimagine such a beloved character. Or sorry, beloved character. Uh, it's beloved. Mm-hmm. Is it beloved? Mm-hmm. Okay, my bad. Uh, she's set to write, direct, and produce 
the film for Universal Pictures uh, through her Highwayman production company. Um, I'm interested. I don't know how interested I fully am yet because I have seen Eternals. Mm Mm-hmm. And like I, I just wrote up, I just wrote up my review of the movie. It'll probably be up on the Screen Geek tomorrow. But I had like some really big issues with that movie, and it was just like it's it's so weird. It's like, you know, like how I always have this. I always have this thing that like Marvel, they want Marvel want they hire directors who are like hungry, like mm-hmm. independent directors who haven't really proven themselves. And Chloe Zhao has has already proven herself in the indie market, and it's so weird to see like that ideology with like a Marvel film and it just kind of does this weird mishmash kind of thing. It's like oil and vinegar. Yeah. But they yeah. didn't shake it well enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm kinda like, you know, oh it's universal. It's gonna be big budget. I don't know, like her I'm not saying that she shouldn't explore the indie mar- the the mainstream market. But like her indie stuff is like so much better. It's mm-hmm. so like better focused and stuff like that. So that's why I'm kinda like, uh, we'll see what happens with this one. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm kind of interested and kind of not just because mm. vampire stuff usually doesn't tend to be very good. I can so. show you some good vampire films. I know they exist, mm-hmm. but I've only pretty much seen the campy bullshit. Oh, oof. yeah. You so you already got like that nasty taste in your mouth. So I'm just like, I used to feel the same way about zombies till The Walking Dead kind of proved me wrong and yeah. then later proved me right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They, they, they beat that fucking genre to the ground yeah um so we'll see yeah um so what we got next now we are going to do our recent review of last night in so what brings you down then i'm studying london college of fashion the room is on the top floor it's perfect i love it if i could live any place in any time i'd live here in london in the 60s something in my dreams. There was a girl. And you are? Sandy. I got this kind of gift. Can see people, places, things others can't. This is the closest most people ever get to their dreams. They're not just dreams. Jack, I don't want to do this. You think you can just walk away? They really happened. What did you see? The synopsis is, an aspiring fashion designer is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters a dazzling wannabe singer. But the glamour is not all it appears to be, and the dreams of the past... The dreams of the past. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I copied it from IMDb, don't blame me. (laughs) No, it was because I was like, the dreams of the past. (laughs) 
<laughs> start to crack and splinter into something darker. Directed by Edgar Wright, written by Edgar Wright and Christy Wilson Cairns. Uh, it stars Thomasin McKenzie, Anya Teller Joy, uh, Matt Smith, Michael Ajao, and Diana Rigg. Yeah, Diana Rigg in her last film. Um, oh, she passed? Yeah, do you. Okay. I know you didn't really watch Game of Thrones, but I feel like you might have this point of pop culture reference. She's the one who was like, it was me, Cersei. No. Damn it. Fuck. <laughs> I think we should do a thing. What thing? Well, let's do. I just had like a spontaneous idea. Okay. Every time someone passes. Okay. We need to have a run of their work. Mm-hmm. And then make it a variety time. How so? Like, like talking about that character, like we did for Berserk, pretty much. Oh, oh, like, oh, like but in memoriam, like, oh, they did this, did this, this. Yeah, and like okay. what we thought about their career and what types of roles they've been in, and okay. like, yeah. yeah, I'm down for that. Yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, actors and directors just start just start dropping now. <laughs> Watch somebody did die. I know, that. right? <laughs> and it's like somebody's like, no, not that person. <laughs> um, all right. So last night in Soho, uh, this is, I remember uh, at the tail end of 2019, uh, this was the movie I was waiting to see. Like the number one movie. Because I remember we did like that, oh, what, our like hindsight 2020 shit like that. Mm-hmm. I remember this was the one I was like, this is it. This is like my top pick. Not hindsight because <laughs> hindsight is behind you. But, but like it was like a title we gave it like like foresight i think it was foresight maybe um so the last night saw so like you know anybody who listens to this uh podcast or who knows me personally they know i'm like a huge huge huge, huge uh Edgar Wright fan uh so anything that dude like comes out with i'm just like boom i'm there checking it out like you know if ands or buts um definitely no buts <laughs> yeah no buts um which <sighs> Okay, I'm kind of conflicted about this movie, and here's why. My fanboy is like, this is a great movie, it's fucking wonderful, fuck yeah, he knocked it out of the party again, blah, 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 right? And, I, and that's what I'm hearing a lot from other people, that like, they're coming from like a way of like, it's great no matter what, you know? Um, but like, my, my critical eye is like, all right... It's not as perfect as I want it to be. I guess maybe because I hyped it up myself for too long that I thought it was going to be like another top hit or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, like I've, I've, I've seen the numbers. It's only made like over the past weekend, it only made like $4.3 million. Oh. I, yeah, I know. I, but you have to think about it. Like it was, it, it was going against the hol- uh, ho- Halloween weekend. Mm-hmm. And plus like Halloween Kills had just been released and people were like going to go see that instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but that didn't distract. That didn't deter me away from like liking the film. Um, what 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 did you think about it, Kelsey? I had some problems with it, but mm. like I'm not a huge Edgar Wright fan like you are, and I so I guess I'm kind of, kind of hesitant to just put it in the bucket of your fanboying mm. because I also have a really good like. I'm kind of there with you about the fact that it is a great film, even though it has problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a beautiful film. It was directed well. 
Uh, 4.16 million dollars was over the weekend. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so okay, so let's. I'm sorry. Uh, let me look up the cinematographer because I think I think there's some about the cinematographer that their past work. But go on. I think it's a, a beautiful film. Mm. Um, I think that I had kind of already pegged Thomason McKenzie as odd, mm-hmm. and I didn't really understand why. He would choose her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was wrong. Mm. Um, so here's here here's what here's why I think here's why I think it, it's it, it does look great. Like you say, it, it shot really well. The cinematographer, that's that's uh Park Chan cinematographer. Like she's done Old Boy, Handmaid's Tale, Stoker, and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of if you don't even you know what to look for, you're like you would you would be able to like pick that out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, I think because that adds into what you're saying about, it looks really great. Yeah. Uh, especially like with like the neon, the neon colors and like the nightlife in Soho in the sixties mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's like really well shot, really beautiful looking. Right. Um, so, so I think Thomas and McKenzie was a great choice actually. Mm-hmm. Um, fully agree with you. I just, I guess if we're going to talk about issues, Mm-hmm. I felt a lot like Michael Ajao, like his character mm-hmm. was a little, he was almost like low hanging fruit. Like he was a convenient character to put there and they didn't really give him like agency or anything like that. Yeah. Like if I'm going to compare it to something, mm-hmm. um, I might compare him to like, do you ever do you ever hear um in like supernatural stories like people who experience ghosts mm-hmm. and there are ghosts and then there are like remnants of a memory that these things are not actually sentient it's just like energy replaying itself yeah I've heard of that concept I feel like he's energy replaying itself. <laughs> fuck okay like, like he like he's just there he's there okay. Okay, yeah. I can I can see where you're coming from. I mean, he does play a part, but it's like it's like they they kind of framed him around Thomason McKenzie instead of giving him any kind of depth. Mm-hmm. So like <laughs> Where does where does he sleep? <laughs> I think he sleeps at the dorm. No, he 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 did make a comment cuz like he made a comment. This is not a spoiler either, but he made a comment about ha- about having a car to get from South London to North London. Uh-huh. So like I'm assuming like all right I get <laughs> like for some reason when you said that I just picture him in his car going to school in North London and then get being double school and then going to South London and just going into like a parking lot and just like sitting there <laughs> yeah but sitting there never sleeping yeah yeah just like sitting there like just waiting like staring off into space yeah <laughs> and then, like straight ahead <laughs> yeah and then like ding, eight o'clock and then take <laughs> off and, like that's it. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's weird because like Edgar Wright has, I like I don't I don't know what happened because like Edgar Wright always has this ability to like really write um, memorable characters. Um, and then you know Crystal Wilson, uh, how do you say her last name? Karen? Christy Wilson Cairns. Yeah, Christy Wilson Cairns. Like her 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 lineup of um, let me see. She's done Penny Dreadful. Um, 
Let me see. And she's done 1917, um, which I think that's where she kind of comes in because I remember I remember we watching 1917. I'm really enjoying it, but the characters, some of the characters didn't have a whole lot of depth to it. Right. Um, so maybe I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say like oh it falls all on her or anything like that. Edgar Wright, I'm sure Edgar Wright has some hand in it as well, but it's kind of weird because like they can write characters well, but it's just weird how like they just didn't write this character too well. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because like they had to make, they had to put their focus like on 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 the uh, on the Sandy character and the Eloise character and the Miss Collins character. I think maybe because like they just put all their energy into that. But that's just kind of like a cop out to me mm. because there are plenty of people who have written full scripts like full stories mm-hmm. well-rounded everybody has a part mm-hmm. even if some are smaller than others yeah like you get a sense of who they are and where they're from yeah and like not just not just john right not mm. just michael Jow's character but the mean girl clique or whatever in the fucking school Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a, a giveaway or anything either, but like. I'm not going to deny I wanted to punch that girl right in the face. <laughs> but like, it's a thing that. <clears throat> yeah, I think that was overwritten. And I think it was. Mm. Played too big of a part in mm-hmm. the story. And, I f- and, it's not, and it's not even a huge part that it plays, but it's already too big of a part because like. It's just one of those stereotypes that you just get tired of seeing it. And it's not exactly real life. Yeah. Uh, her name is Sonovi Car- Carson. Carson. <laughs> <laughs> she played Jocasta. That was what? It. <laughs> it's like, what is she has to be like Danish or some shit like that. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I've gotten, I've had my fair share of mean girls. Mm-hmm. Like, especially in New England, where this seems to be very prominent. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, like, every single time I saw a person. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was enough to make me feel like I dreaded going to... Her name is Sanovi Carlson. Okay, gotcha. That's the actress. <laughs> <laughs> you made that sound so hard. I know, right? It's, it's because, like... It's because when I when I saw her, her like, her name in the native language, I don't know, it kind of, like, threw me off because it's, like... You know how like like Danish or like Swedish cut, uh, countries or, or German countries or whatever, they have European. Let's just say European countries. Some European countries they have like the weird lettering where you're just like, is that even a fucking word? You know that kind of thing. <laughs> the even, two dots over the letters yeah, or like the little tail under the C. Yeah, and like a line, like a letter crossed out, and then like oh the O with the yeah yeah it's like why <laughs> why'd you do that anyway? Sorry, go on. Um. So anyways, that's not, um, I just feel like it was just overly, like, too much. Too overly much. played, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so, well, in that case, what did you, what did you like about the movie? Just uh, about everything else. Okay, just about everything. All right, cool, cool. Because, I mean, the directing. So, okay, so what did you think, what did you think of, uh, I feel like, I feel like I'm setting you up very easily. What did you think of Anya Taylor-Joy's character? Do I have to say it? Well, yeah. This is... This is <laughs> Look. Yes. I have a huge crush on her. Okay. I know she's younger than me. hmm But I still love her. Oh, she's very beautiful, yes. She's Well, she's beautiful, but she also is a great actress. Like, I think... Mm-hmm. N- you know, like, whatever we were talking about, like, different type of, like, sexual types or whatever? Mm. I have a thing about people who are realizing their potential. 
Oh, you think she's realizing her potential? Yes. Yeah. And so I think that's what I'm kind of like hot for. Okay. Okay. Like, I love her because she's great. Okay. So, <laughs> so what did you think? Other than your mad crush, <laughs> what did you think of her performance in this movie? <laughs> it was good. It was good. Okay. Like more than good. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. I love her. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> she actually can sing. She can actually dance. Mm-hmm. Um, she always hits the right notes when it comes to being cold or um very like empowering and shit like that mm-hmm. or emotional mm-hmm. and what i love about her is anytime i've ever seen her play someone cold mm-hmm. except for in that really bad freaking movie that we saw her in oh new mutants yeah yeah other than that movie mm-hmm. um anytime she plays someone with any kind of cold emotion Mm. you can always you can feel that it's like cold because there's a wall there because there's a lot behind it not just cold and i can't relate yeah i gotcha i gotcha i think even her performance with uh thomas and mckenzie i think like i think I don't know if we're recording. I don't remember if we're on air or not, but you had something like said something about like, why do you pick why Edgar Wright picked that particular actress? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here. I think this is why he did it because they're, because given like their characters, they're like polar opposites. Like she, like the, the Eloise character is very quiet, very like to herself. She doesn't, she's awkward and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. here she is dreaming of being, a totally different person who's nothing like her at all is you know it's she's beautiful she's energetic she's very uh charismatic and you know she fucking men just throw themselves at her and stuff like that mm-hmm. and i thought that was like a great mix because as the film progresses, we get more of that transformation into like the other character mm-hmm. where um and i think with that transformation, it really shows that Mackenzie can really like f- be flexible with her character. She can come off as very frigid and very like, you know, awkward and then being like this very confident person. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. when the trailer came out, mm-hmm. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. No, like I wanted to watch this movie, but also I was like, why her? Like all I'm seeing is awkward. Mm, okay. Um, and then I watched it, and it made a lot of sense. Yeah. And 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 she, I don't think she's honestly that awkward in real life. I think she was actually really playing a part. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the way like her eyes can be really wide sometimes. Oh, she got some big old blue eyes. I was like, mm-hmm. oh shit. <laughs> but it's funny because John was doing the same thing. Yeah, but he had that huge head. Yeah, that's true. He fuck. like there was one. I was like, whoa. Fuck. Everybody, everybody has big eyes in this movie, <laughs> except for Matt Smith. Matt Smith, his eyes are just hiding underneath his 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 brow, just his, <laughs> like a caveman. Yeah, his no his no eyebrow he's a brow. Gentlemanly caveman. Yeah, let's let's well, call he's him. He's not let's, gentlemanly let's, in this film. Yes, let's call him that for the first fifteen minutes of the movie. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Thomas and McKenzie is... Um, he chose the right person for this role. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't say that he could have put anybody in it either. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like they... Like, she definitely fits a specific part. Yeah. Um, I There was one other thing I wanted to bring up. Hmm. The, um, the writing. Okay. 
So without giving anything away, mm. I know we had some issues with with the writing as as John is concerned. Yeah. Um, but also Thomas and Mackenzie's mom, mm. like where she's concerned, and also like we we don't really get a sense of exactly how they were trying to portray her, and I think it maybe came off kind of wrong. Yeah, it might have come. It might have. If it might have come off as like a bit muddled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also uh, Thomas McKenzie's, uh, I, I don't know why I keep saying her first name, Thomas and McKenzie, Thomas, <laughs> um, the, her grandmother in the story too, it's the way she's written, you don't understand her motivations, I guess, for the worry. Mm-hmm. So, um, there are some little things that could have been tied up a little better. Okay. Uh, well, with that, you you want to hop into the spoiler section then? Sure. Uh, okay, so yeah, so we're gonna get into the spoiler section. We're gonna talk about last night in Soho and Great Links. Um, yeah, so you know, if you don't want to be spoiled, um, you go ahead. You can look at the timestamp. You can skip ahead, and whatever. Uh, but we're gonna leave you a uh, spoiler bumper right about now. <laughs> I was trying to look like like how I pictured John in the car just sitting there. I was like, why are you looking like that? What? I thought you were going to say something weird. No. What do I say anything weird? What are you talking about? Consumption. <laughs> that shit was funny. <laughs> um, all right. So... Uh, let's, so let's just get, let's get into... Actually, let's hold off. I want to hold off into the third act. Uh, to those problems that we kind of saw, we were talking about, which I believe is closer into the third act of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to focus on Edgar Wright's direction. Um, okay, so here here's why I'm here's one of the reasons why I'm not just like just trying to like go hard at it or anything like that. Why I still give him space to be like, all right, you still made a great movie. You have issues, but I'm still going to say it's a great movie. Um, Edgar Wright is one of those directors who I. I I feel like it's not a, not around. Um, sorry, it there's not. He's underrated. No, no, not he's, no. He's not underrated. Like he has he has uh, fans, tons of fans. Um, definitely not under underrated. Um, but he's a director that is what I like. That some a lot of directors don't do. He challenges himself mm-hmm. with every project. He like says he pretty much like he doesn't say it in interviews. I don't. I haven't. I don't remember him specifically saying these words, but you get it within his word that every film he does, he's like, let me try this. Yeah, you know, instead of just making like the same kind of movie. Yeah, instead of making like a Shaun of the Dead, Shaun of the Dead two, which was very successful and like people wanted it. People wanted it. He was like, no, no, let me do like an action cop film. And let me just put all the tropes of an action cop film and then not make it like corny or anything like that or cheesy. So he made Hot Fuzz. So then, granted, he could have made Hot Fuzz Part 2. Mm. And he was like, no, let me do like an alien invasion movie and see if I can make a commentary on like uh, peaking at a certain age or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. About like friends no longer being friends over a period of time. 
So then, done with the Cornetto trilogy. He could have still worked with uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. They were like best buddies. And he was like, no, you know what? Let me do a musical, but with fighting. Right? Hadn't been done. So he did Scott Pilgrim, right? So he like he keeps doing this, right? He keeps doing this. And then he like really hit himself at a new level when he did Baby Driver. He did essentially a, a, like another musical, but with like cars and where the beat never stops. Mm-hmm. Which uh, to me, that's still like my favorite. That's like my favorite Edgar Wright film, mm-hmm. right? Um, granted, he's doing like a second Baby Driver film, but that's not like his main focus. So what does he do next? Other than, other than the Sparks documentary, he goes, you know what? I'm going to make a psychological thriller that's very in, like, British DNA type mm. shit, right? So. Is he British? Yes. <laughs> I've never heard him talk. <laughs> you know, sometimes you amaze me. <laughs> you really fucking amaze me i feel like this time it's not a good way you're giving me this look like okay i think we can stop doing podcasting now you really fucking amaze i could have swore you've heard him talk no okay (laughs) anyway (laughs) so with so and not only does he does not only does he do do like I'll even say like what Danny Boyle does. Danny Boyle like keeps just making different films and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which Edgar Wright could do. He can just be like, I want to do this film. I want to do this type of film. But no, within each film, he like he pushes his directing limit. He tries to see what he can do next, mm-hmm. which that was a longer way of saying that like his direction is like has gotten so much better. He's like really elevated like his style. You know, there are little bits of like, oh, that's an Edgar Wright note. Like, for example, like the quick cuts and stuff like that. Like, there's a scene where uh, where Ellie is, like, packing her stuff and everything, and the grandma's like, oh, don't you need socks? And you do a quick cut, uh, quick cut of, like, her pulling a drawer out with the socks. Mm-hmm. That's an Edgar Wright shot. <clears throat> where's, a, where's a quick cut and then whoop, motion and then quick back. Mm-hmm. But, like, he does this amazing directing when it comes to, like, when, uh, with, like, mirrors, you know? And not just, like, oh, what's that in the mirror? You know, like, let's say Candyman, something in the background. Mm-hmm. He's more like, let me show you what's going on in the foreground and in the background and how that's working together. And that's in working in conjunction with each other. Mm-hmm. Like the part where like Ellie's like running up the stairs and like uh, where Ellie's running up the stairs and Sandy's running upstairs with like the Jack character mm-hmm. and how you're just like, well, how do you do that shot? Like you feel like you, there had to be another room next to that mirror, mm-hmm. which I thought was really great. But another thing that was so fucking awesome is like the dance scene where uh, Sandy's dancing with Jack. Oh, yeah. And he would like take her, spin her off, like spin her off camera for like a, a split, split second. second. And then boom, he has Ellie in his hand. And then swing back and then she walk around and boom, it's like Sandy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That fucking amazing. Yep. Right there. I'm just like, how's he fucking doing that? Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> um. And there's even parts where, uh, where like it's Sandy's face and it turns real quick and it's Ellie's face and then it's Sandy again. Mm-hmm. And normally you can still kind of see like, oh, this is where like the CGI comes in or whatever. Yeah. But I, it almost looks like it was like practical. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I would love to see the behind the scenes work of, of this movie. I'm sure that exists somewhere. Yeah, it'll probably be like part of like the Blu-ray or something like that. 
Um, what did you think of his directing? <laughs> uh, I mostly liked it. Mm-hmm. I really liked how he was shooting Ellie every time she was in her room and how like mm-hmm. doesn't matter what was happening if it was a quiet scene or like a a loud crazy scene mm-hmm. that room just felt so spacious and kind of like anything could happen mm-hmm. almost like um house on haunted hill in a way mean? how do you mean just the the spaciousness and Mm-hmm. how things can happen in it oh okay i got you i got you yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it didn't it wasn't obviously exactly like that but mm-hmm. um i really i really enjoyed ellie every time she was in that room mason there when she yeah. started to get out into the city mm-hmm. sometimes i had a problem with it because i just felt like like in the city in the sixties or city in in the present day, present day. Okay, I think that was kind of like the. I think that was honestly, um, uh, on purpose. What Edgar Wright was trying to do, because I because I, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, she was in that room, and she it, she seemed like she was at her happiest when she was in that room. Well, not just at her happiest, but mm. you could kind of see what she was thinking, where she was going, like mentally, mm. why she was doing certain things. Mm. Every time she got out into the city, like, I get that she's a country girl coming to London, mm-hmm. but she just seemed to kind of just be reacting to everything. Yeah. But you don't really understand sometimes, like, why. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Not yeah. every single time. So, yeah. like, a lot of the time, I just, sometimes it would kind of lose me. Mm, okay whenever she would be out in the city i'm like why are you like we're running and we're running and we're running and we're running, and we're running. why <laughs> yeah. are you running do you even know where you're going no you don't <laughs> yeah she doesn't know where she's going she's, she's she wants to go back to soho to the 60s <laughs> that's where she's running to so yeah anytime mm. anytime i saw her running mm-hmm. for extended periods i think there were like mm. two or three times where she was just running yeah and i'm I like gotcha. stop <laughs> um okay so i I always have this. I have this um, this dissection of of Wright's work, um, you know, which I I think this. I feel like this. I feel like I'm selling him to my own horn. But I think I think what makes me like a proper Edgar Wright fan is just like I said. I don't look at his film blindly and say like it's great. I'm like a I'm not like a those Tarantino fans who are like whatever he does is fucking fantastic. You know? Yeah, it doesn't matter that he's stealing shit. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. With with Edgar Wright, like I look at his stuff, and I, you know, I always look at it at this critical with this critical mind. Um, I look at it with a critical mind, and then I I've seen this 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 uh, recurrence of like his third act. Like he always seems to have like a problem with it. It's not like a grand like oh the third act shits the bed, but there's always like a a part of the third act that like it's just like dude, I wish you just fixed that part. If you had fixed it, it would have been like great. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of them, it shows up here in Last Night in Soho, where there is a uh, scene where Sandy is essentially watching, uh, not Sandy, uh, Ellie's essentially watching Sandy being murdered by Jack, mm-hmm. right? It's this violent, it's like the, the first scene where it gets bloody as fuck, right? Mm-hmm. Super violent scene, right? So then, uh, you know, it's, in Ellie minds, it cements the idea that like Jack killed her. So mm-hmm. I have to find Jack, you know? And then... The twist, which I think I I did enjoy that twist, 
we're coming to find out that Sandy didn't die. I mean, she died, like, metaphorically speaking. Mm-hmm. And come to find out that she was like a, she turned into a serial killer and killed all these men that like that slept with her and everything like mm-hmm. that. You know, when she was like forced into prostitution, all stuff like that. Which I remember, my mouth was like agape, like what? Oh shit! <laughs> you know, which my, it's a great twist, great twist, great twist. But my issue is that in this movie, Ellie, who clearly is a What's the word? Like uh, an empath, I think it's the word. I should or be. sensitive. Or, or sen- for sen- for sensitive? Is that the real thing? No, I said or. Oh, or sensitive. Sen- yeah. S- sensitive to like supernatural elements and then like, you know, spirits lingering around and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, she's had these vivid dreams, you know, of going to pretty much going to the 60s and so, uh, going into the 60s and Soho, picturing the club, the sound, probably the smell and the taste in the air, like vividly picturing all that stuff to a point where like it's affecting like her her fashion art right mm-hmm. however she like sees his death it cements the idea of jack is the killer but like she was mistaken by that mm-hmm. you know and like it was the other way around so my issue is like i feel like that was put in for the plot twists but there was nothing setting up that she could be wrong Mm-hmm. At any point in time in the movie, that there there could be some slight difference or some like that, right? Mm-hmm. So that and that's the thing. Like if he had just set that up, I don't like I don't know if he thought about it or he even or him and and um, Chrissy Wilson Karens had like thought about that or anything like that. But I feel like I don't know a few more minutes or like a, a little bit more time in the script would have just corrected that one little issue. And I think it, I think it, that would have like almost made a third act like perfect. Yeah. Um, which what's your what's your take on on all that I just said? I agree with you. I think that they could have made her wrong about something already mm-hmm. before that, or have interpreted something strangely. Mm-hmm. My other issue that I want to bring up is again with John. Mm-hmm. How he's just so willing to fucking help her. <laughs> yeah, throughout everything, like. Can you, I'm sure you could imagine more than me, but my mm-hmm. first reaction to her, like, screaming bloody murder after she brought him up to her room mm-hmm. was, like, if I was that black guy, I'd be like, fuck, this bitch is trying to set me up. Oh, yeah. If if if, if I was John, I'd be like, I ain't ever talking to her ever again. Yeah. But he's still like, no, you didn't try to set me up. Mm-hmm. Something's, you know, you just need my help. Okay. Yeah. No, she. I know she tried to stab that bitch in the face, but she didn't mean it. Like, we know that she didn't mean it, but how does he know that? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, maybe, like, later on, like, you know, when they're together, she's going to have, like, another freak out. And he's like, no, no, it's okay, it's okay, I'll bury the body, I'll bury the body, it's okay. <laughs> like, even after he got, um, was he shot or stabbed? He was stabbed, which I thought, I was like, damn, he got done dirty there, he got shot shanked right in the stomach i know so he got stabbed uh-huh. but then later like they kind of wrapped everything up in a pretty bow like oh look i've 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 actually heard that argument before that like his his that is just it's too wrapped up neatly yeah yeah like he's still with her mm-hmm. even though like he went through all that bullshit like there's no baggage at all mm-hmm. he's just like hey everybody <laughs> also <laughs> Because at the end of the movie, you know, they do the whole fashion show and everything she mm-hmm. like, which 
the, this movie it has a, a conflicting uh, a conflicting message. It's like the message is like don't be too tied down to nostalgia to the like the old ways move forward and stuff like that you know it goes so forth even with like her 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 mother mm-hmm. her issues with her mother which are like thinly placed mm-hmm. um however her like show it's a very 60s theme you know yeah <laughs> kind of dressing thing which is kind of like so like are, are you saying are you telling us that like don't hold on to nostalgia but only use it like if well, you really want to, I thought I thought her show was very sixties themed, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it was kind of wild and out there, and I couldn't really get behind whatever she was trying to do. <laughs> so I I think they did a good job of not making it so sixties that mm-hmm. like you're like okay whatever. Yeah, I guess for me it was, but also it was garbage. <laughs> the outfits, everything. Yeah, it was that's, garbage. That's, that's the fashion world. <laughs> Because Mark knows the fashion world. I mean, no, it's just like, like for example, fucking like these Yeezy shoes and sweaters and shit like that. Uh-huh. They look like fucking dystopian, fucking like bland <laughs> colors. $800 for a fucking hoodie. Like, what the fuck? It's, look. But those logic. aren't fashion. Lo- no, no, that's fashion. Like. No, it's th- not. It's a name. No, yeah, that and that's what fashion this is. This is the it's same fashion. thing with like Sean John shit. Sean John's, that's lower class. Oh my god! <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like yeah, I everyone's you, buying the fucking name, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and that's fashion. Because <clears throat> that's what they say. Like, oh, what are you wearing? Who are you wearing? That's hip hop fashion. That's no, 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 no. That is that is fashion. That is fashion. It's always who you're. Who is your? Who are you wearing? It is, but we're talking about similar things, but different mm. at the same time. Mm. Like everyone loves Vera Wang, mm-hmm. but her shit looks great. And yes. she made the name because her shit looks great. Yes. and then Not they, because she's a piece of shit human being and got her name into fashion. Yes. Even though she is kind of a piece of shit person. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm trying to find like these Yeezy shoes. These Yeezy shoes are so fucking atrocious. You know what I mean, though? Ooh, yeah. I get what you're saying. Ugly ass shoes. Like these, like here. You folks can't see it, but like, see these shoes right here? Mm-hmm. $3,000. They look like Skechers. They look like garbage. But the ones that, you know, what are they called? The ones that light up <laughs> on no. the heel? No, not those. Uh, the ones that they were trying to sell them as like exercise shoes, like they give you a stronger core because they're so thick and soft. Oh, yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like those. Um, fuck what we're talking about. <laughs> How how garbage her show was? <laughs> yeah, that, that's not very fashionable. <laughs> was she was she presenting herself? <laughs> oh, you know, I have a question for you. I have a question for you, and I didn't think about this because I I actually I actually watched it the second time, um, and it popped in my head after watching the second time. So there's a couple of things that like I think it's like telegraphing what's going to happen throughout the movie, and that's Edgar Wright. He he's known to do that, but like sometimes it's a bit ham-fisted. This one it's very very subtle, but like there's a part where Miss Collins says. Um. Well, like where where Miss Collins is telling Ellie like the the murder she committed and stuff like that. The the people were uh, the guy that she killed that they were like considered missing, right? Mm-hmm. And she like they showed how she disposed the bodies, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming, and I I don't know if you caught this, but I'm assuming that the bodies are within the walls and in the floors of the apartment. No, I caught that. You caught that. You know okay. why? Why? 
Do you remember when Ellie went to look at the apartment? Mm. Oh, and she said about the plug, right? About the plug? Yeah, she says, like, oh, like, you're going to have to keep stuff plugged in because during the summer it starts to smell real bad. Uh-huh. Is that what you're referring to? Yep. Okay. I didn't catch it the first time. It wasn't the second time. I was like, because, like, how they were, like, coming. I didn't coming. know you went to watch it the second time. Yeah, I went to watch it the second time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the, when, like, they're coming through the walls and the floor, uh-huh. I was just like, oh, yeah, they were in the walls and the floor this whole time. Oh, I'm so fucking stupid. <laughs> also... Now, the Terrence uh, Stamp character, the detective, Lindsay, right? Mm-hmm. He said, whenever you find Alex, tell her, no, oh, whenever, whatever hell you find Alex in, tell her I, I sent, I'll send her, I sent her there. Yeah. Do you know that line? Uh-huh. I have an inkling that he was somehow involved in getting rid of those bodies or like covering shit up. Nah, uh, Maybe. But you know that's. But I I feel like I don't know. I I, I could be wrong or anything. But that that's kind of telling me like oh he's like he was involved at some point. Well, he was because you saw him. Yeah, as a young man. Mm-hmm. Like I gotta say, that dude was very, very handsome. He was. <laughs> he was handsome. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Especially that part where he was like, "Do you love?" I was like, "Oh, oh do I?" Yes. <laughs> um. Okay, so. I mean, all in all, like I did really enjoy this movie. The more I think about it, I don't, I don't hate it more and more. I actually kind of feel like revisiting it again. Um, like I'm actually tempted to like check it out in theaters, but maybe, maybe not so much because money's an issue with me right now. Um, Where did you watch it a second time? Uh, I, oh, uh, uh, Meg and I went to go see it. We went to. The so you Red- did watch it in theater? Yeah, we watched it in theater again. Oh, yeah. Okay, because I was like, it's not streaming, is it? No. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> if it was streaming, I would have been like, "We're watching Last Night Solo again." <laughs> um, yeah, but like, like I said, I think, I think I, I will definitely revisit this movie, especially like the leaps that Edgar Wright does to like improve his directing to show like, "Oh, I can do this now," or "I figure something out like cooler to do." Did she like the movie, by the way? She had her issues with it as the well. Same ones. Yeah, yeah, like she, like she had mentioned that, like that part where when Lindsay was like, "You tell Alex," blah blah blah. blah she was just like, "Oh, pff, all right, I know who Alex is." Like she kind of like knew, like right there. But yeah. I kind of want to be like, "Did you really? Like, did you really?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's, what's your final say on on last night? Um, last night I was very tired. No. <laughs> what well, last night? So, <laughs> um, I think it's very much worth the watch. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty film. Mm. Um, it's a fun watch. Also, can be depressing if you really think about like how women are treated. Oh my god, you got bleak after this movie finished. I was like, well, oh. because because I brought up like Texas, but also like mm. in this day and age, someone like Donald Trump can be elected. Like half of the country is a fucking Trump supporter. Like, mm-hmm. so of course I feel like yeah, we made a lot of strides, but we're not out of the woods Mm -hmm. so that's why i got so bleak because like the way um sandy is treated and then like you just kind of equate to like like even even other issues were like i don't know i feel like men have it easier because they can go to work and they don't really think too much about is my child being taken care of oh yeah yeah exactly 
like they don't have they don't have the fears that um that women that women typically have like on on a on any given day like um what's this phrase uh men are men are worried women will laugh at them and then and then on the other side, women are afraid that men will murder them. Some It's something like that. Right. Like, and I'm not saying, like, men don't pay child support and different mm-hmm. things. But also, like, some men don't pay child support. Other mm. men don't pay enough child support. And mm. then other men, like, they'll do their part, but it's not enough. Yeah. It's like, like the bare minimum and shit like that. Right. So, like, you know, like, some women trying to go to work, like, who do you leave your child with? Yeah, I got gotcha. you. know what I mean? Like, we just yeah. don't have the opportunities that men do. Speaking of opportunities men do, we haven't talked about Matt Smith. Ah. Okay. This is the only movie that can convince me of Matt Smith being a complete asshole. <laughs> I had a, an interesting thought. Okay. Um... What's the fucking name of that movie or that show? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Marvel. Okay. Daredevil World. But not Daredevil. Jessica. Oh, uh, Jessica Jones? Yeah. Okay. Okay. David Tennant. Okay. What type of character does he play? He plays a purple man. I don't want to say he plays a pimp. He plays a rapist. Yeah, but he's psychotic. Yeah, he's a psychotic rapist, yeah. Yeah, like he's very controlling, Mm -hmm. very much like, you'll do what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. He was the doctor. Mm -hmm. Now Matt Smith... (laughs) I think it's in in Matt Smith's voice. It's too... High pitch? It's too high pitch or some shit like that. Like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Charlie Hunnam? Yeah. Like, when I hear his British accent, him talking to his British native tongue, I'm just like, oof. I'm not scared of you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i think matt smith is a believable piece of shit mm-hmm. um only because he can pull off the look yeah like he can glower yeah better than anybody yeah even his role in the crown i was like oh you're kind of an asshole but you're not like that big of an asshole yeah like i'm not i'm sorry compared to last night in soho like I mean, obviously, but like, like there, like there's parts where he just like. Well, you like, can't be that big of an asshole in the crown anyway. Why not? They're all assholes. Yeah, but they're very um, genteel assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm not an asshole. I'm a genteel asshole. <laughs> I'm gonna try to use that. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Though, yeah, right? no, I get you. I totally get you. <laughs> um, That's another tattoo. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Genteel asshole tattoo. <laughs> That's your tattoo. Boom. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Mm. I think that's it. <laughs> All right. What do we got next? <laughs> next, we're going to do our variety time. All right. So we have been following... Warner Media's box office HBO Max experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, they have called it Project Popcorn. Um, so I guess it was more of a thing than we even thought it was. Um, so the Hollywood Reporter mm-hmm. also, I just want to mention real quick, um, uh, reported on this. Okay, so 
okay, so when you said like, I think it was like you said that we think it's more of a thing, like a testing thing. Like, can you, like can you I feel like it's more of a thing. Like they gave it a name. Oh, you know okay, what I mean? Okay, like, I gotcha. like it was more intentional. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't. Oh, let's just try this out. No, like we made a thing. Uh, like we gave it a name, and we this is what we want to do. Okay, so I don't believe that at all. <laughs> really? I honestly think that like when the pandemic hit and HBO streaming, um, HBO Max was like. There was, like, no steam around it. Like, nobody was like, oh, yeah, I definitely got to get HBO Max or anything. They were like, all right, uh, we'll we'll release everything. Yeah, you you definitely want to buy it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's part of the plan. Part of the plan. No, I think they came up with it definitely because of Mm -hmm. the pandemic. But I feel like it was more structured than just, oh, let's try this thing. But (laughs) the way you were it. I think it became more structured because a a lot of directors and actors were pissed. Yeah. When they did that, they were like, fuck all this. But I, it just makes me laugh because uh. I'm like thinking about it in terms of Iron Man 1. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would talk to you about the Avengers Initiative. What? And then Marvel was like, oh, fuck, we got to go. We got to do this. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. Except this flopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine a bo- that baller ass move if Marvel was like, all right, end game, part two? No, no, no! I take that back. End game, like the the uh, no Infinity War, end, and then that's it. Shit, <laughs> that's it. Marvel's like, all right, we're out. We ain't making any more movies. <laughs> Fucking people would have been rioting anyway. Yeah, besides the point, they would have. Um, so it looks like it looks like Marvel, not Marvel. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> it looks like Warner Brothers is going back to the forty-five day exclusive window in in twenty twenty-two. Um. Uh, now there have there have been some numbers that have shown uh, like how these movies were doing. Uh, Kelsey, if you click on the if you click on the link, it, there's actually like a chart. It'll show you like near the bottom of the article. That actually shows like a chart of like what made what and everything. Um, so they they did this. They said they did this experiment to see how day day and day release is going to work. You know, with theatrical and streaming and everything like that. So. Uh, the article goes, aside from the conjuring, the devil made me do it, Godzilla versus Kong and uh, Dune, the latter two were produced by Legendary. Nearly every 2021 release so far hasn't lived up to already modest box office expectations, uh, which is including the height, In the Heights, Suicide Squad, the adult skewing drama, Cry Macho, and Many States of New York. Uh, Newark, sorry. I'm um, sad about Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, it didn't make that much money, did also, it? Also, I was pissed off about that movie a little bit. I think I got angry about it. You got angry because how that movie made you feel. Like, you were just like... Well, I was oh. mad, too, because they totally villainized, like, the character. and Like, they made him... Oh, the Keith Stanfield character? Yeah, yeah like, yeah. I felt like they... I don't know. There was something, how they were portraying them, I was like, this isn't right. But this yeah. is the smallest one on the fucking list. And then mm-hmm. um, the Many Saints of Newark. Like, I'm a little surprised about that one. And then Malignant makes me sad because I'm like, that was a good fucking movie. I know. I know. That's the thing. I Like, some of these movies, honestly, <clears throat> if released in theaters, mm-hmm. I think they would have done really great. I'm surprised In the Heights did as well as it did because that... Oh, we had... Man, we had some issues with that movie. I still hate... I <laughs> rage over that movie every time it's it's it pops up or anything like it's um 
mentioned. That movie, that movie has kind of like really tainted the t- like the taste of musicals in my mouth. Like there was like Steven Spielberg has like West Side Story, his version of West Side Story coming out, mm-hmm. and back then I, when it was first announced, I was like. Cool. I'm mildly interested. I'll, yeah. Maybe I'll check it out. But we watched the trailer of it, like while watching last night in Soho, and I was like, "Don't <laughs> care. I don't give a fuck now." I know. I was like, <laughs> and I think I even mentioned, like, I wish they would have made that first <laughs> because it just feels like In the Heights 2.0 when you watch the trailer, yeah. even though it's better stylized and yeah. like. Mm-hmm. I don't know why my headphones keep wanting to slide off the back of my head. <laughs> um. Like, it's better stylized, and I feel like it's not as campy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just kind of like, if we have nothing better to watch, we'll watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, the article goes, but there was a major upside. According to Warner, Bre- Warner Brothers Entertainment, <laughs> Chairman, CEO, and uh, Saranoff, and Warner Media Chief Jason uh, Keller, uh, all of the studio's... 2021 theatrical releases are being offered simultaneously on HBO Max in the U.S. Dub Project Popcorn, the controversial pandemic era initiative, engineered by Keller, uh, was designed to pump up Warner Media's new streaming service and allow uh, uh, Emmerich's team to keep the pipeline flowing. Um, So Keller had said that a lot of other people were selling their movies to Netflix and Amazon. Uh, Keller said to Hollywood Reporter, he says, we provided service to movie theaters and we were and we worked our tails off to make sure that they that we were being thoughtful and generous with talent as well. I think that last line is a bold ass lie. No, because lots of people want to work with HBO. You don't have to like You mean uh, Warner Brothers? Well Warner Brothers. Yeah. But HBO. Like Yeah, well here's the thing, like 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 I said, a lot of people were pissed off. Like Legendary Pictures was like gonna sue was gonna sue Warner Brothers. Fucking Christopher Nolan bounced from Warner Brothers. Like when this shit happened, mm-hmm. so like it, it didn't it didn't really work out. Like he likes to say it worked out as well, but like people on on our side who you know have eyes and ears and shit are just like like did it really work for you, dude? Like granted, HBO. HBO Max, I think honestly, I, I've come, I've come to the side of HBO Max uh, is actually a really great streaming service. I actually like their user interface. I like, yep, I agree with you. And their selection keeps on impressing me. I'm just like, wow, they have a lot of great like horror selections here. And they have like some of the Criterion collection. They have Studio Ghibli films in there too. Um, so, but I think, I think they like, even have like Cartoon Network. Yeah, they have Cartoon Network there. But I think I think they were just so nervous that they were just like we gotta like do this because we gotta get all the subscribers as much as possible. We like don't know how freaked. long. Yeah, they freaked out. Instead of like, granted, there's not not everybody has like Netflix money or Netflix time. Netflix built up to like now we're just like everybody. It's just part of it now. It's just part of like the streaming zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. That's like the king and everything. Um, on the other side, I heard I read an article. Peacock lost about two hundred fifty million dollars. I think with their streaming service. <laughs> I have a feeling it's just because Netflix and Amazon and HBO exist. Mm -hmm. And because why would you pay for an NBC streaming service when those exist? And you could probably just watch it on cable. Yeah. And and they're like like trying to catch up. And also their shit's not very good. Like most of their stuff is just campy bullshit. Yeah. Like I haven't... There's... I haven't seen anything. 
I think the only thing that maybe would make me get Peacock is um, Picard or mm. so, or 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 uh, the latest Star Trek. They're series. not the one with the really bad transitions to the advertise. Is it? <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. That's Paramount. I'm thinking of Paramount. See, there you go. Already, boom. I'm already, Peacock's already out of my mind. Peacock's already out of my Is mind. Is it Paramount? Yeah, Paramount. Or was Par- it Canopy? No, 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 no. Peacock, Peacock is the one with the really bad transition. Uh, Canopy, they have more like artful kind of things to watch. No. Yeah. So, <laughs> I just want to mention their, their <laughs> transitions because we'll be right in the middle of like a really dramatic scene. Mm-hmm. And then... Hey, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have diarrhea issues or some shit like that? Some very inappropriate fucking like placement ads. Um, so it seems like next year in 2022, the whole uh, day and day, day and day thing is going to be done with uh, with HBO Max, with, with Warner Media. Um, now, the article goes in and says, like, it's it's unclear the extent of day and date release. HBO uh, release on HBO Max cannibalized the box office revenue, or if it's like piracy that hurt it. Which that's all piracy has always been an issue when it comes to like films being released because you get um, some people don't care about the quality. They get like a video. They, they get that the uh, a video camera like, and they just want the story. They just want the story, and just like oh, I saw it and everything. But like there have been so many, so many, so much stuff that's on HBO Max. Or that's going to premiere on HBO Max, it's immediately on torrent sites. Like, Dune was on the torrent sites three days before it hit HBO Max. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I, I was expecting that. Fucking uh, Halloween Kills, which was on Paramount, two or three days, boom, torrent sites. Like, it's like, it's just that fast now. It's just that easy accessible now. Um, so, what they're going to do is like. When they come for you? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, so the article goes, it says, gone from next year's calendar are small and mid-range films. Instead, it's event movies 24-7, beginning with Matt Reeves' Batman, uh, which is out on March 4th. Uh, three other live-action DC superhero films, which is uh, Black Adam, The Flash, and Aquaman 2. Uh, event picks like Fantastic Beasts, The Secret, the Secrets of Dumbledore, Bass Lerman's musical biograph- bi- biographical drama, Elvis, and Salem's Lot. So straight up, that was going to be in theaters. No HBO Max or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like they're just going to have more uh, like smaller films that's going to be streaming on HBO Max, which that that makes sense, you know. Yeah. Um, there've been like a plenty of like even before the pandemic, there've been plenty of like HBO uh, produced films that were just straight for H- for uh, the HBO channel that mm-hmm. would end up there and they'd be like a big hit. Or, yeah. Or have like top tier quality like. Um, uh, scenes of a marriage which has like oscar isaac and jessica chastain like that that could have been like a series of films but they're like no just put on hbo max and that's it yeah um I'm, I'm actually surprised they pulled they they they're pulling it back now i i i have remember saying that like oh no they're not gonna they, this is just gonna keep going like they can't put it i know but, and but i was right <sighs> i was right as usual you know why why because you can't make money that way. And now we are going to do our geriatric cinematic of 
Irvin Kirshner's Eyes of Laura Mars. In a world of breathtaking models and the beautiful people, Academy Award winner Faye Dunaway is photographer Laura Mars. Her work, the subject of controversy. Tommy Lee Jones is detective John Neville, intrigued by her photographs for his own reasons. These are police photographs. They are strictly our own material. They were never published anywhere at all. So my question is very simple. Why am I photographed so much like yours? That's right. Somewhere between the sensations of high fashion and the precise form of her art lies another dimension, unexplored, unexpected. Unwillingly, Laura Mars becomes a witness to a series of murders watching through the eyes of a killer. And the synopsis is, mm. a famous fashion photographer develops a disturbing ability to see through the eyes of a killer. Killer. <laughs> killer. <laughs> killer. <laughs> it's directed by Irvin Kirshner, written by John Carpenter and David Zalaguman. Goodman. Mm. It stars Faye Dunaway, Tommy Lee Jones, Brad Dorff, Renee... Aubergenois, Aubergenois, mm -hmm. and Raul Julia. I'm surprised you didn't ask me who John Carpenter was. Or that name, that name looks familiar. No, I know who he is. <laughs> okay, all right. All right. <laughs> uh, Irvin Kirshner, do you know who that guy is? No. He is the director of only the greatest Star Wars movie ever. Which one? The Phantom Menace. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, he's the guy behind Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I saw the director's name, I was like, Wait, what? <laughs> like, he directed this? Holy shit. <laughs> um, so I had actually have never seen Eyes of Laura Mars. I'm well aware of it. I've heard about this movie for years and years and years and years. Um, so I was actually really glad that we finally got to... Uh, oh, I, I, got, I was glad I got to finally watch it. Um, but I was especially happy because Kelsey and I were going to do it for this particular episode. Um, I've read that like this is one of the movies that inspired Edgar Wright to do Last Night Soho, so I was like, all right, perfect combination. Um, but the most important thing of all is what did Kelsey think about it? You know what I really think? What? Faye Dunaway's <laughs> eyes. Uh. She looks like Catherine Zeta Jones. <laughs> yeah, you kept That's pointing that out. You kept pointing that out. I like, it kept taking me out of it. Like, even, mm. like, I kept thinking she's about it. She's too beautiful to be. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, she's not as dark mm -hmm. colored, but, like, her eyes shape mm. and the shape of her face. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, I actually thought you were going to say that. <laughs> well, what did you think? Well, what did you think of, the, think of this movie before I, I continue with that <laughs> statement? It's good, even though Odo's in it. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say, this movie's funny. Because <laughs> you and I were laughing a lot. We were laughing, but I still saw, like, mm -hmm. it was a good story. Like, so I yeah. actually took, we were laughing, but I took it serious enough. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, cause, like, I, yeah, like, I, like, I'll agree. Like, I really, I actually really did enjoy this movie. And it's, it's funny because this is like, this is like, the first major studio film that John Carpenter actually wrote for, but it was it was originally titled Eyes. Um, but when they, he when they he sold the script, they like 
bastardize bastards oh, i say bastardize it bastardize pa- they pass bastardize it like he he's he's like this film is my script is not even recognizable um he had he was quoted as saying it was an unpleasant experience the original script was very good i thought but it got shat upon <laughs> <laughs> so he does not like this movie at all. Uh-huh. Despite it, I thought I think the movie's decent. I actually think the movie's pretty good. Um, Tommy Lee Jones is a young guy. Is interesting. Yeah, I know. I'm like, what? <laughs> and Raul Julius even finer than I ever thought he could be. That dude. Oh man, he his life was cut too short. That dude. One Raul Julius is an amazing actor. He's probably the sexiest ghost. The sexiest ghost? That's not alive. Well, that's what ghosts are. They're not alive. I know. I was going to say <laughs> sexiest ghost alive, but, you know. <laughs> so, what, so what did you think of, since we're on Tommy Lee Jones and Raul Julia, what do you think of, like, those two performances? Tommy Lee Jones. Mm-hmm. He's super interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel like he plays the same guy, mm-hmm. but as, like, a younger version of Tommy Lee Jones, like like when he kind of does like these like author authori- um, authoritarian yeah roles like these cop roles or something like that. I feel like yeah. he's a little bit softer because he's not as old and gruff, mm-hmm. even though he's the same guy basically. Yeah, but like as he got older, obviously I'm just like, dude, like take a fucking chill pill. Like, <laughs> so I feel like his acting was like serviceable and he's not mm. super ugly or anything like he's actually kind of cute even though he's got bad skin yeah th- but he's got that one eyebrow yeah but i i think i think with the i think it was his his feature his main features that that long flowing hair that he had in this movie like <laughs> wow who could, what kind of conditioner do you use man <laughs> um i i really did enjoy his performance in this movie it was like I, i've seen a few movies of of Tommy Lee Jones, uh, or a few movies he's been in. Um, but this one, it was like, wow, this is like a really, like at times when he was sharing scenes with like Faye Dunaway, I was like, wow, he was like really soft in this movie, like very caring and shit like mm-hmm. that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think there's like a movie that he did. I think it's called like The Coal Miner's Daughter, which he's supposed to be like soft, but like also like a dickhead in that movie. Mm. Um, which so he's I, a soft dick? He's a soft dick, yeah. He's very phallic. <laughs> Um, and but, uh, and what's the word? Uh, can't remember. Flaccid. Flaccid. Uh, yeah, Cole Myers' daughter with has Sissy Spacek, which I I believe that's the movie that actually got him an Oscar. Um, but like I haven't seen that movie, so seeing him in this, I was just like, wow, he really does have like a saucer side he can pull off, like because mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm so used to seeing him like in like The Fugitive or like Men in Black or something mm-hmm. like this, like hardened characters and yeah. shit like that. Um. Raul Julia, anytime we see Raul Julia, always a fucking treat. Like, I like that he's always either a villain or a quasi-villain. Mm-hmm. And, like, in this one, first of all, Faye Dunaway's character, Laura Mars, mm-hmm. gave him too much credit for being scared when he was in her fucking apartment. Mm-hmm. But his he's just so good at being an asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really liked his performance. Uh, what, so what do you think of the... Uh, do you think the chemistry between him and Faye Dunaway, do you think that was like genuine? you think that was uh, that meshed well? No. No, really? I had a hard time because Faye Dunaway reminds me of like the old-timey actresses that like 
they get old and they can't turn it off anymore, like they're oh, a debutante. Yeah, yeah. So I just didn't feel like she really interacted well with anybody other than fucking Odo. Yeah, Odo. <laughs> with uh, it was we gotta find <laughs> we gotta find the actor's name. I don't think I put it in. Rene Abergenois. That was Donald. No, I think was that Donald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That's Donald. Yeah. Um, but I mean, but in our hearts, he's always Odo. From, oh, from no. Deep Space Nine, like it's I actually like. I mean, he he does play a very like gay stereotype in this film, and that, that's the reason why I feel like she only really connected with him. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, but I I I I'm I can excuse that, especially this movie because this is like '78, where it was just like stereotypes. But he wasn't like a blatant stereotype or anything like that. I mean, it sucks that his 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 character got murked. Because, like, for a hot minute, you and I were thinking, like, oh, he's the killer. Mm-hmm. That is the killer. But, you know, that nice little switch up. Um, but I really, I did enjoy his performance because, like, there were plenty of times where he was just, like, really fucking funny. But this is shit he was doing with his face. <laughs> there was one face. I was like, why did he do uh, yeah. that? The, the, the one in the police station, right? Yeah. He was like, you folks can't see it, but you guys need to watch it. If you haven't watched it, you guys need to watch it. He does this. Really, really like squishy, goofy face, like in the movie, without using his hands. It's like, whee! like just so smushed <laughs> together is ridiculous. And then you you missed it because you were in the kitchen foraging as you always are. <laughs> I was in the kitchen doing what? Foraging. Foraging. Yeah. Okay. You know, you know, you know what that means? Yeah, looking for food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm a fan. So you were foraging in my kitchen. <laughs> I was I was foraging a stone. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> And then you missed his face, and mm-hmm. then I had to rewind it so you could see his face. I know. It's amazing we got that technology these days. I know. Especially you don't have to take it out and put it in the VHS rewinder. Why would you do that? To rewind it. Yeah, you can just hit rewind on the VHS. There were VCRs that didn't have the rewind feature. <sighs> you don't remember that? Fucking poor people. <laughs> Okay, I remember that. We had a rewinder. You had to like before you put it back to the the video store. Oh yeah, be kind, rewind and shit yeah. like that. Yeah, I remember. But we that. didn't rewind it in the VCR. Also, uh. that's a good way to fuck up your VCR. Even if you d- were able to rewind in your VCR, how was a good way to fuck up your VCR? Because tape, like video tapes, had like a. Sometimes they would like fuck up, and then. You would fuck up your VCR trying to pull the tape out of it. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a fufa. <laughs> fufa? <laughs> that's, that's you like, mean, you mean from, <laughs> from, um, God damn it! I can't remember the show. Oh, surprise. <laughs> I remember DJ Lance Rock. Oh, you're talking about uh, No a Gamma Gamma? Yeah. Oh, fufa? Yeah. <laughs> he said fufa. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, Fufa lives in VCRs that get ruined. <laughs> rewind it, rewind it, rewind it. I eat it. Yay! Nom, 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 um. So, what did you? What did you think of that? That I. Th- I think I. One thing I actually really did like. I, I like the concept of this movie. That you know, it's a person who like sees through the eyes of a killer, and how. It's funny, like, they don't really even, like, explain why that's happening, why there's, like, a connection or anything like that. They're just like, this is just a thing, and it's just happening. Right. And you just, like, accept it, right? Mm. Um, 
And also the fact that it only just started happening two years ago before that. Yeah, yeah. Like nothing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so like, but like, it, I, one thing that like I, I, I really thought how the concept worked well was it, it I, I took it as like whenever she was seeing through like the, through the killer's eyes. It was it was because it was through uh, not 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 necessarily per se like Tommy Lee Jones's character, but his split personality. Mm. And what I thought was like, oh, that's even like they they made it wild and then they made it wilder within like that thirty seconds of like that reveal, mm. which I was just like, oh shit, that's fucking dope. Like I had something about that I was really enjoying. Yeah. One thing that I thought was kind of funny, if we're gonna talk about the perspective. Uh huh. Is that scene where she's trying to explain to him what she sees? Oh, through the through the camera. Yeah. Uh, so my mind, like up until that point, I was able to understand. Uh, like, you're seeing, <laughs> you're seeing what he sees. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then she shows him mm-hmm. with a camera. Uh, like it's not a hard concept. I know, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> but she shows him with the camera, and it can. Conf- Use the fuck out of me. <laughs> I'm like, wait. How does this work? So something you had already totally forgot. Totally, I mean, you totally got. Okay. And then when she explains it to essentially dumb it down, you're like, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that, that scene is like one of those, that scene is like one of those moments in, 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 in cinema well, you know, it's like our TV show where you know it's bad writing when someone says like, "Explain to me like I'm a child," you know, and that's that's yeah. the, that's the, that's that's the that's the excuse for like the person to like exposition dump or some shit like mm-hmm. that, right? Which I felt like that part was just like I I was almost like, why do you need to explain? It? It's so fucking easy <laughs> to understand. I I felt like it was just in the film uh-huh. to like. The movie's not long enough. We gotta do something. Yeah, maybe like add like a, a, another intimate moment between like uh, the uh, Tommy Lee Jones character and Faye Dunaway's character. Yeah. Like to be like, oh yeah, he, he's not so you know, hard boiled. He's actually pretty soft, even though he's probably gonna murder your friend. <laughs> <laughs> also, I couldn't take any kind of connection that they did have seriously mm. okay. because like she, they obviously were attracted to each other like mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was, like, out of nowhere, so it was kind of like, this is really strange. Yeah, I will admit that. I I did feel that it was sudden as well, but it, it, it kind of just grew, it grew on me as, like, they were spending more time together. Yeah, like, then it finally had the time it deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, But then, then once you finally got used to the idea, then there wasn't enough of it. Yeah, that's very true. That That is very true. How, how long is this movie? I think this movie's, like, an hour and maybe, like, 40 minutes or something like that. I want to say, uh, yeah, it was about right. An hour and 44 minutes. 12 times 12 is 144. <sighs> <Jesus>. <laughs> um, there are 12 hours in a day. Okay. In the day and 12 Stop hours it. In the Stop day. it. So. <laughs> Look at the conspiracy. Okay? Oh, my God. So, a little bit of, um, I, always, we, I always like to mention, like, what <laughs> casting possibilities and what it, oh, how it could have been. Uh, looks like Jane Fonda uh, was approached, Goldie Hawn, and Diane Keaton. Um, the film was originally supposed to be a Barbara Streisand vehicle. Uh, <laughs> which is why the the theme song of the movie is called Prisoner, sung by Barbara Streisand. <laughs> um, I, if I remember correctly, I think that 
story goes is that even like John Carpenter wanted Barbara Streisand, and then Irvin Kershner was like, either Irv- Irvin Kershner or like the producers was just like, no, we got to fade down a way to do this, and that's why he was just like, fuck this shit. He was like getting so mad about that shit. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I do. I cannot get on the Barbara Streisand train. I honestly don't think I've ever seen anything with her. Well, anytime I've seen her talk, I'm just like, no, get away. <laughs> like, get away from me, even though you're not near me. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> so you wouldn't like, Barbara Streisand, her, I think her most famous piece of work is uh, A Star is Born. You would only check that out? No. I'd be curious to check that one out. Oh, I would be curious to check it out if you wanted to check it out, but I wouldn't unironically <laughs> turn it on and watch it myself. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. 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 Um, one thing I want to mention about the direction is uh, I like for mo- for most part of the movie the direction is like all right it's serviceable mm-hmm. I, I think it's not until like the end where Tommy Lee Jones and th- there's a whole reveal of his character but I think that the direction do- takes a a new a whole di- a whole new level and it's with the use of the mirrors mirrors and within this that scene mm-hmm. which is you know you know it reminds me a lot of last night in Soho with the with Edgar Rice's use of mirrors mm-hmm. but there's like some really cool like shots of like Tommy Lee Jones and like holding Faye Dunaway and like how like you don't see the camera. Sometimes you just see like the angle, like the camera is a different angle, like just out of shot. Mm-hmm. But they were doing like these like straight shots and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where it was just like, okay, Tommy Lee Jones has to be behind, has to be behind like a glass or something like that to give the illusion of he's a mirror, a mirror or something like that, which I thought was really cool and I thought it looked really great. I like that too. Good. I but <laughs> it just reminded me of the scene where. Tommy Lee Jones is in the. Well, no, no, you don't know it's him yet. In the elevator. Oh, stabbing Ra- Odo. No, uh, Raul Julia. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And we're like, oh, because we got a caught. Like I caught a glimpse of his hair, mm-hmm. so I knew it was Tommy Lee Jones. Mm-hmm. But then when he shows up through by breaking through the window of. Uh, Faye Dunaway's fucking her patio window. Yeah, yeah. He was clean. That I know that is a huge issue. And and was that was that the part? Was that the time where you're just like, oh, it's not him? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, it wasn't. It might not be him. Uh huh. Like maybe he like just crashed through his window, her window, out of like uh-huh. worry for her. Are you saying? Hear me out. Are you saying that logic did not take hold of you in this situation? No, logic d- confused things more <laughs> because just like, like the camera, just like the scene with the camera. Yes, <laughs> because I'm like he's clean. He has a scratch on his hand, which he could have got from fighting the guy off, or no, something from like going the, through the window. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Like so, if then it probably wasn't him. But then he started talking. I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, yeah, I know. No. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Like I, like I remember when I saw that, I was just like, oh, like Tommy Jones is totally the killer, and that did cross my mind. I was like, oh, he doesn't, have, he doesn't have blood on him. However, it's that. that I mean, I always, fit, I, I already was just like, it's got to be him. Like, just why not? It, like, cause it, it would be a cop out if it was Michael. Right. It would make no sense to be Michael. You know. Mm. Uh, I remember you kept. <laughs> You kept saying that like it's it's the the <laughs> asshole detective, uh, Frank Adonis. You were like, oh, it's him. Like, why? 
Why? That makes no fucking sense. Logic. Go on. <laughs> There's a scene mm-hmm. where Tommy Lee Jones mm-hmm. shows Faye Dunaway mm-hmm. two crime scene photos that pretty much match up with two <laughs> pictures that she took. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't think it was him, mm-hmm. and the only other r- detective you really see is Frank, Yeah, I was like, well, they're crime scene photos specific to... This precinct. Mm. So I thought it was Frank. Because <laughs> he's an asshole. <laughs> Listen, your argument is not valid at all. Yes, it is. It's crap. <laughs> mm. Hey, hey, you can't be right all the time. You okay? weren't even right either. I, I sure shit didn't think it was fucking the detective. I, I and, and and a part of me was like, oh, it's probably the chauffeur, Tommy. I was like, mm, that's a little too fucking easy. Like, I don't know. Even even though, like, I'm, like my my brain was just like, th- th- it can't be that fucking easy. Otherwise, because like, I guess I had hopes that like, I hope it's not too easy. Because if it is, then it, like, fuck this movie. That's such a, like a cop out. Yeah, then it's yeah, no point in liking this film. Yeah, but you know, that didn't turn out. And, you know, I liked it. Kelsey, you liked it, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think it still holds up? Yes. I think it still holds up too. Mm-hmm. Um, funny thing is, like, if I, I feel like if if this movie was redone, it would be redone very poorly. Like they couldn't get the feel. I feel of, like this would be an Edgar Wright film. Last Night in Soho. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is uh, a lot of people actually consider this like an American version of of an uh, of of of. of a Gilio film, which is like an Italian horror type mm. genre, like uh, Suspiria or like The Beyond or like maybe even like The Changeling, but I think that's a, more of American. Um, I feel like even maybe Taika Waititi could do this one. Oh, but he had to be dead serious on this shit. I don't think so, because with so much of, I think mm-hmm. there's so much like with the models and like Odo and <laughs> <laughs> And <laughs> the, the, the dude, what's his name? Renee Abijoris? No, Abergenois. Ab- Abergenois. He's probably listening to this podcast and he's like, oh. <laughs> they only know me as Odo. Because <laughs> you know he listens to this podcast. <laughs> and it reminds me every time I say Odo. Oh, Hodo? No, I think of Otho. Uh, Otho. Wait, Shh. juice. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I, was, I was a little worried. I was like, oh my God, what is it? What is it? What is it? Like, it's on the quiz show. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Kelsey thinks it holds up. I think it holds up. Um, yeah, like, this is like, watching this movie, I'm just like, damn, you get back into like these Gilio films and stuff like that. Like, especially like Don't Look Now, which I started watching. Um, for the first like fucking 10 minutes, I was already really liking that movie. Um, There's a piece of trivia in here I just read. Which one? Uh, Tommy Lee Jones actually wrote his own monologue. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, he wrote his own monologue, unbeknownst to the Writers Guild, but accredited to the film film's director, Irvin Kushner. Yeah, because... Hopefully they fixed that. Oh, to give him proper credit? Yeah. I'm sure they did. Yeah. Um, I think, actually, Tommy Lee Jones does have some writing credit uh, underneath under his name. Um... 
he comes off as a guy who can write, but just just goes, nah, I don't feel like doing it right now. <laughs> uh, no, let me see. Three writing credit. Uh, he's uncredited as Isaac Mars. He did a TV movie called The Good Old Boys and a screenplay for The Homesman, which came out in 2014. Mm. Oh, he wrote that screenplay. All right, all right, all right. Oh, he directed it too. All right, all right, all right. You go with yourself, man. This sounds a lot like Robert De Niro, how he's like, nah, I could do this. <laughs> yeah. But I'd rather not. I'd rather not. I'd rather just do some acting. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, anything else? No. No. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> so that's going to be it for our show for this week. Uh, we'd like to thank the folks over at Entertainment Corner for hosting this podcast um, on their website. Uh, you know, Kelsey occasionally writes to their website uh, doing reviews and I such. I think it's been a year now. It hasn't been that long. I feel like it has. I know I know. Judy's been very busy. She's just posted on Facebook that she's going through some issues right now. And I'm like, take your time, girl. Rest up and everything like that. Yeah. You know, and she's listening. Well, she has that fabulous fucking hair. Oh, my God. That hair was amazing. <laughs> Holy shit. Judy, if you're listening, girl, that hair was all marsh. Look, whatever issues you were going through, I think you came out like a butterfly. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> she wrapped him in a cocoon. She was like, flah, just free flowing that hair and shit (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah all your film news tv news and reviews go to yourentertainmentcorner.com uh you can find this podcast on all podcast catchers we're all over the place you know like i said before we're always underneath your bed just kind of like waiting looking smelling your farts clicking the goddamn bed why you have a banana in there ew well that's that banana smells weird ew ew. you don't get it (laughs) No. People put bananas in their butt. Oh. Child. I don't like putting things in my butt, so. Hey. That's not your king. That's not your king. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Sorry. Sorry. Anyway, enough <laughs> about butt stuff. <laughs> um, so next week, um, our recent review is going to be Marvel's Eternals. Um, that it will be released in theaters November 5th. Uh <laughs> I really want to. I really can't wait to hear your opinion on that movie, Kelsey. I can't wait to. Because uh, I like. I feel like you've kind of affirmed my my hesitations towards it. Without you, haven't given anything away. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that you're just like it's not what I expected. Mm-hmm. I'm just like okay. It, it. Yeah, we'll we'll discuss it further. Like as of as of now, as the time is recording, it is. The Mar- it was Marvel's first rotten score. Oh shit! Fifty five percent is is being considered like the worst Marvel movie. I think, but I think most people just don't. They're not getting it. They they're don't not understand get, it. They don't understand like what Marvel's trying to do now. Um. So maybe that's, I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it. Um. So yeah, with that, we're gonna have our geriatric cinematic, which will be 1963's sorry, nineteen sixty three's Jason and the Argonauts. Um. That you can actually watch it for free on YouTube if you just know where to look. Just type it up and it will just pop right up. Uh, so it's free to watch on YouTube, or you know, if you got that channel, you got that cash, uh, read it on Apple TV, Amazon, YouTube TV, and other VOD uh, services. Um, the topic <laughs> here come them gods sticking their noses in, in, in other people's business. I know I wrote that wrong. Well, shut up. Well, it wasn't that, but for some reason, because my brain was stuck. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> sticking their nose in other people's asses. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try it again. Here come them gods sticking their noses in other people's business. There. Said it. <laughs> and the reason why I said it like that is because I was thinking about old brother, where art thou? Oh. I have no idea why.